With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to what I can only expect is going to be under the Pro Plus banner. This is a special extra podcast. I'm Trev Denny. I'm joined by Dave Hendrick. You know us. We talk a lot on the Anfield Index. And we have something very, very serious to talk about today because after all the joy and uh, uh, exultation about us gazumping Chelsea and getting in ahead of them for Moises Caicedo and all the usual suspects, the reliable and inverted commas types coming out and talking about how the deal was done, um, it seems as if that may not necessarily be the case at all. In fact, at the moment, it seems as if quite the opposite is the case. And we're hearing all sorts of things about player preference for Chelsea. We want to sift through a little bit of this because people are listening to this and they're not knowing what's going on. Dave's hearing a few bits and bobs. I'm hearing a few bits and bobs. And we just wanted to talk about it because it is quite a dramatic situation. It's quite apt, Dave, that I sit here um, just about to leave this country in the absolute pissings of rain. You could not, <laughs> pathetic fallacy could not be uh, working harder to make its point. There's rain lamping off my car outside uh, as we decide to talk about what could be a very disappointing tale. Where do we stand with this at the moment? And how much are you buying into this whole narrative that's ex- that's exploded? Because it wasn't just one journal. It was all of them. And it yeah. wasn't just one lad saying the job is done. It was all of them. The terms were agreed. Liverpool have broken records. Then we got the little extra little bit. It wasn't just 110. It's actually 111, said Mel Reddy with bits and bobs and add-ons. It was hard not to fall hook, line and sinker for it. Uh, I know I did, uh, despite the fact that I was being cautious until he had actually come and was stood in the jersey and, and, and signed on the dotted line. But it's a bit of a sickener, Dave, and it leaves us, if it doesn't happen, in a right pickle. Yeah, I mean, it leaves us... Uh, look, there's a positive in that we at least know Liverpool have plenty of money to spend. So we know we can go and get the Lavia deal done. That's there for us to do. He wants to move. We could potentially pivot and go and buy, you know, Florentino Luis from Benfica or Czech Decore from Crystal Palace. But very clearly, we've made a decision that Caicedo is the one. There is absolutely no way on God's green earth that we would have gone as deep into this as we have without Jürgen speaking to the player and the player telling Jürgen he wanted the move. There's okay. no way. Okay, let me let me jump in here because this is I, I, I'm just aware that people are going to be listening to this and they're going to be firing their questions at their various devices. You and I both saw the quotes from Jürgen where he seemed a little bit circumspect, a little bit cagey about, mm. yet yeah, the deal is done the, and the club, he said, have, have stretched, but he says he wasn't sure about the player and he wasn't sure about the medical. So... Yeah. Well, that's, that's Jürgen saying, I don't take care of those things. Okay. Pers- personal terms, this is this is what Chris Williams has reported this morning. Now, people will know Chris. He doesn't deal in bullshit. He, he doesn't speculate on anything. He only says what he's told. And he has said that what he's been told is that last night, Liverpool verbally agreed personal terms with Moises Caicedo and his agent. So that side of it is done. Or, or was done as far as Liverpool were concerned. 
Klopp is always cagey and very rarely gives anything away. It's actually a surprise to me that he that that, that question was even allowed. That the, the press weren't told beforehand, look, please, no questions about this. Because Pochettino's been asked about Caicedo and he's given the stock answer, oh, well, I, I don't like to talk about players that are contracted to other clubs and whatever. And maybe Jürgen should have said that. But I just don't think Jürgen wanted to get too far ahead of himself because they, there was still, you know, the threat of Chelsea out there. Now, how much of a ch- threat it is remains to be seen. But what we know is that there's a couple of really bad characters involved here, like a, a couple of really bad seeds involved in this deal. Are you including Manuel Sierra as one of those? I am including him as maybe the worst of the seeds. Now, Graham Kelly, as everybody knows, gets a lot of information from from very different places. But he doesn't tweet a whole lot. But what he said this morning is, told by someone that this agent is a fucking nightmare and there's another agency who won't deal with him at all. They've banned two agents in 31 years. He's one of them. So when another agency just won't deal with you at all, you're a bad egg. He's also the one that drove the mini strike and the the statement about wanting to join Arsenal in January. He's the one that's driven the the strike that he's allegedly on now. He just seems like a really bad seed. And Chris Williams, again, has said that what he's been told, and he's spoken to somebody who works for the same agency. So what Chris has said is been told from well-placed sources in football division, which is the agency, that Manuel Sierra told Caicedo to hold this morning after verbal terms were agreed with Liverpool prior to their record bid being accepted. So again, we, we had the terms agreed yesterday. Brighton said to be livid about setting terms of sale with Sierra. The thing is, Sierra is technically technically a part owner of the agency. So when his when his own people are saying that this, you can be certain it's it's something that's that's happening. And can we can, can we just put prize apart why he might have done that? Because as someone who's on the outside looking in, I don't um, I don't purport to know much about the finance or business side of football. But the only reason I can see for that would be to draw Chelsea out further and see if they will bid a little bit more. Because at the end of the day, for the bottom line, both for the player, but I'm thinking especially in terms of the guy who's giving him this advice, there's probably some more readies and cash to be eked out of this specific deal. Does that That's sound 100% motivated? What it is. Yeah. That's 100% yeah. what it is. He, he's, he's been offered a bigger agent fee by Chelsea than what we've currently offered him. Now, bear in mind, we pay among the highest agent fees pretty much every year. We always do. I always have under FSG. It's one of the things we do. It's one of the ways that we convince players to join is we, you know, we sell the agent on the, on the deal. The prevailing thought with him is he's a prick. That's coming from everywhere, not just Graham, not just Chris. That's coming from everywhere that this guy is a prick. Brighton are saying this guy is a prick. Tony Evans has said he got a tweet, a text from someone who works from Brighton basically saying this guy's a prick. So. Manuel Sierra. Now, look, he wouldn't be the first prick that we've dealt with. We dealt with Mino Riola. I think it would be fair to say the Times Mo's agent has been a bit of a prick. We've Very dealt fair. with George Mendes, a noted prick. So he he might think he can get something over on us, but at the end of the day, he is not a big time agent. His club, his his company, don't represent like eons of stars they've got a couple of big fish but they're not one of the elite agencies he's not one of the big time agents no one had heard of him until about six months ago so my best guess is that 
Chelsea called him, probably Ekbali, who's the, the co-owner, and offered him more money to hold. And he's also gone around because Egbali is another another bad actor. He's also gone to a couple of I wouldn't call them journalists, I'd call them social media influencers, including a very specific spoofer with a catchphrase. And he's basically fed him a line. One another one of these uh influencers works for Sky. But again, I wouldn't call him a journalist. He's a guy who sits on national television and tells lies for a living and pretends to have sources as he scrolls on Twitter. And he's gone to them and he said, look, put it out there. He only wants Chelsea. Let's see if we can get Liverpool to walk away on this. Because the bottom line is, Brighton set a deadline. We outbid Chelsea. And we didn't just outbid them in terms of money. By all accounts, the structure of our bid is far more in line with what Tony Bloom wants, is actually basically what Tony Bloom wants. Because remember, we didn't just throw in a bid. We spent all day yesterday talking to them, going over payment terms, going over structure, going over add-ons. All Chelsea have done, because Chelsea haven't really engaged Brighton this summer. Chelsea's just lobbed in bids. And I guess that's what I guess that's what Jurgen was getting at when he said about that the club had stretched for this deal. So in other words, we've really I mean, people aren't gonna want to hear the phrase due diligence, but we have gone the extra mile here to get this deal done and make Tony Bloom and Brighton happy. So I've my question to you is it, we can see various, we, we all see the tweets that are, are upsetting people now, and some of them are from these people who previously were saying different things. Who do you think was informing the likes of Ornstein, the likes of uh, uh, Joyce and Reddy? Who, who, who was, who, where were they getting their info when they were? Mel so Joyce's info was definitely coming from Brighton. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must have fan threads? Well, Over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. It was definitely coming from Brighton. And Mel Joyce's timeline on Twitter yesterday is a fascinating look into the slow progression, the slow burn of information being released. Dude, what's, so, a, Mel, what's a Mel Joyce? Oh, sorry, Mel Reddy. Mel okay. Reddy. Right. Mel Reddy's timeline, some, sorry. Some hybrid journalist that I was unaware of. Imagine a super journalist. Just, <laughs> if we could just get Joyce and Ernst, Ornstein and Reddy and a few others and just create one journalist who just knows everything um, and get rid of all the spoofers and influencers. So Mel Reddy, her timeline basically starts out with Liverpool have contacted Brighton. They just contacted them, nothing more. Chelsea are favourites to get the deal done. Then Liverpool are talking to Brighton. Liverpool are discussing payment terms and structure. When she said that, I knew it was further along than she was saying. Because normally, normally you've agreed a fee and then you start to just tweak for structure and and how much is up front and what are the add-ons and when are payments going to be made and, you know, what are the what are the different aggregators are going to hit on add-ons? So Chelsea were still favourites. Then Liverpool were considering a bid. And then Liverpool were favourites. And very slowly she eked this information out across the course of the day. And then seemingly young Mel took herself off to bed (laughs) and went for a big (laughs) sleep. (laughs) <laughs> and everything went a little bit quiet. And then the Italian spoofer with the catchphrase tweeted out, things are still happening in the Caicedo deal. That's about quarter to one. 
And then around one o'clock, we get Liverpool have agreed a fee. And then we get Ornstein coming in. Liverpool have agreed, British record fee, yada, yada, yada. So I went, I went to bed then. I was happy enough with that. Yeah, I mean, most peop- most normal people did. I didn't. I stayed up till 5 a.m. <laughs> listening to Chelsea fans crying. I, I mean crying. Grown-ass men, Trev, crying on a Twitter space, uh, coming up with absolutely hilarious excuses as to why they weren't buying him and loads of other nonsense. Uh, Listen to a couple of Liverpool spaces as well. One done by uh, the lads that do Born and Red, which was which was a fun fun one to listen to. But um, went to bed about half six this morning. Jesus Um, Christ! (laughs) I I went and slept in the spare room so my missus wouldn't know the extent of my insanity. (laughs) She texted me this morning. Why are you in the spare room? I said. Oh, my back was at me, so I thought I'd be tossing and turning. Didn't want to wake you. So, if people want to know the lengths of insanity that, like, I have to hide from my missus, it's quite staggering. Um, <laughs> she puts up with me, I don't know. Anyway, so wake up this morning, and, and, and at this point, everything looks good. Half ten, everything looks good. And then it all starts to, you know, you get start to get leaks. Oh, maybe he's having second thoughts. That's clearly come from Chelsea. Then Romano tweets out his bullshit. But Romano called himself out because he followed up that tweet with Moises Caicedo is now following Chelsea on Instagram. Moises Caicedo has been following Chelsea on Instagram for about five months. Yeah. So he also follows Manchester United and Manchester City and half the Liverpool team. He follows Al Nazar. So unless he's going to Saudi, it's irrelevant. But it's very clearly Romano trying to create noise because Chelsea want noise. Chelsea want the the view to be, oh, he only wants Chelsea. Look at Chelsea throwing everything into this. The player wants Chelsea. The player wants Chelsea. And the reason you do that is to get Liverpool to walk away. Now, Ian Doyle has just reported... And if Doyle is saying this, you can be fairly certain it's true because he only hears things when they're already confirmed. Liverpool are showing no signs of withdrawing their bid for Moises Caicedo. Graham Kelly has also said, if Chelsea were to bid, we'll bid again. So it does seem like we're adamant we're getting this deal done. Well, do you know what that I find reassuring about that is that um, there's no way that we would do that if this lad, and this is a this is a worry that's been very much weighing on my mind since the whole Willy Wonty thing stopped or started. I was worried about the famous dickhead test with this lad. I'll be honest, and the fact that the club would go back in for him means that I think Jurgen must be happy that he is not such a such a creature. Um, so that that is an interesting thing, whether or not I think can... he might be like Mo. I think he might be a genuine, really good, humble young lad who's just got an agent who look. The purpose of an agent is always to get the best deal for the player and make sure the player gets as much money as possible. Oh, but let's yeah. not let's not pretend they're not out there lining their own pockets. No, this no. guy's clearly been promised a bag by Chelsea. Now we could very easily turn around and say, look, shut your mouth. And we'll take care of you. You get a long-term relationship with us. You ask anybody. We treat agents very, very well. But one thing to consider here. This is the last transfer window in which agents are able to negotiate their own fee. Because starting in January, it's going to be set by FIFA. Agent fees are going to be pre-agreed by FIFA. So if it's a hundred million transfer, the agent might get five percent. So they might get five million. There you go. So it's basically the last days of Solomon Gamara yeah. and he and he is wanting to make bank. And look well, so set himself up for life. Yeah. So we can understand that we can understand the commercial aspect behind it. We can understand the, the motivations behind it. Um we take some reassurance. I, I I think that comparison with Mo Salah might be a good one because I mean these players, yes, they're humble. But Mo Salah knows that he's the best at what he does. He's no doubt about that. And, you know, it's that kind of mixture of humility. But, you know, give me what I'm worth. And I have no issue with that at all. And um, if that's 
the way this, the direction of travel for this, I'd find that actually quite heartening to be perfectly honest with you. I guess the thing about it is we should briefly talk about the two possibilities. The one possibility of, of, of going forward will make very brief going forward with Caicedo as part of a future. We all know how excited we'd be about that. And I think I said it earlier on, on, on a, a, a impromptu chat I did with Dave Davis this morning that I think that actually takes a little bit of the pressure off the needing two DMs immediately because he's that good if he could stay injury free we could allow someone to do a little bit of uh, standing uh, on 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 the on his watch and we'd be okay while we wait to get the backup in in January or next summer I think that would be wonderful it takes pressure off that however the other one is moving forward without him and an awful lot of people have been forced to accept that uh, sort of ugly reality, uh, even though the the alternative was only real for a little brief window um, for some people. So what does that look like for you? I mean, you've mentioned earlier on, you know, look, now we've shown that the money is there. We go out and we do X, Y, and Z. <laughs> you wouldn't be surprised if Southampton said at 65, thanks. Yeah, uh, at I this mean, point. And you couldn't blame them. And you could, and you could not blame them. And similarly, that still leaves us without a senior first team starter because yeah. I'm sorry, lads, but I know some of you are mad into the kid and I, I'm very excited to have him. I was very excited oh, to yeah. have him on, on Fabinho's watch. But I, I still want him if we get Caicedo because Abs- I think he's that absolute, talented that you make it happen. Absolutely, man. That's my point. So we still need that first team or we still need mm. whether it's an Amrabat, Dukure, some lad who has, has at least done it at, at a high a level. A grown man. You want a, a grown, grown ass man, man in yeah. a grown ass man position because when you look yep. around at the top clubs, you've got Manchester City dominating all with Rodri, who's the best in the game right now. You've got United finished third last season with Casemiro. Grown ass man, he's won it all. You've got Arsenal with the fella who's questionable, who's 30 years of age. He's been around. He played under Simeone for years. He's a grown-ass man who knows what he's about. They've also just gone and added Declan Rice, though I, I think he's more a, a, a boy in a man's body. Um, your, your top clubs have, have great lads in this position. You don't win anything. The only team that have won anything major in the last, I don't know, 20 years without a great holding midfielder is Bayern under Hansi Flick. But they still had Thiago and Goretzka and Joshua Kimmich in midfield. So they kind of made it work by committee. But it was also a weird year because of COVID. And if we hadn't bottled our knockout games against Atleti, I would have bet we would have gone on and won that competition because we were the best team in Europe to that point. You don't win without a great defensive midfielder. It's as simple as that. That's that's been true since the late 70s. You go back and you look at every great team since the late 70s, whether it was us with Sunes, whether it's Saki's uh, Milan team who had Frank Reichard, whether it's Capello's Milan team that had Desai, whether it's the, the dream team under Cruyff at Barca, who had Becaro in that role. Nadal could play that role. Pep Guardiola could play that role. You go forward through some great Juventus teams, some great Ajax teams, the Borussia Dortmund team that had um, Paolo Sosa, and on and on and on. AC uh, Real Madrid, who had, first of all, Esteban Cambia, uh, not Esteban Cambia, so they had Fernando Redondo, maybe the best to ever do it. They had Claude Makélélé. United, Roy Keane, Arsenal, Patrick Vieira, Gilberto Silva, Emmanuel Petit, Peps Barca, Sergio Busquets. Like, even City, over their time in the Premier League, have they won without a great defensive midfielder? No. They had Fernandinho, then they had Rodri. United had Keane. First they had Ince, then they had Keane, then they had Michael Carrick, the most underrated English player of all time for me. They've won nothing since Michael Carrick retired. Nothing of note, no major trophies. Chelsea always had a great defensive midfielder. Makaleli, SEN was there. They had Matic. They had Kante. The, the Leicester team that won the league, Kante. The Leeds team and Blackburn team that won league titles, David Batty, Tim Sherwood. Not Sherwood wasn't great, but he was decent. But 
us with Fabinho, we were great with Mascherano, we were great with Didi Haman, but when we had Lucas or we had Henderson in that role, we won nothing. You win nothing without a great defensive midfielder, and you've got to have one who's ready to perform game after game. So, yeah, if we don't get Caicedo, we need to pivot. It can't just be Lavia. It has to be Lavia and another. For me, the the, the easy one to do – well, it wouldn't be easy because Palace aren't just going to give him over. But I think Cech Dekure makes sense. He's already been in the league a year. I thought last season he was outstanding in a very average Crystal Palace team. Even though they restricted his role and didn't allow him to play – in the same way he did when he was at Lens, where he was brilliant for four years, two in the second division, two in the top flight in France. You bring him in, he's plug and play. What do you think he looks like with the Premier League uh, premium on him in terms of price tag? 65 to 70. So we're going to end up having to pay uh, considerably more. Um, if Lavia can still be had for 50 yeah. and we could get him for 65, yeah. It's only f- four million more than than what we've paid for uh, what we've offered for Caicedo. Now, just just aside, um, Neil Neil Atkinson, uh, presenter of the Anfield Wrap, I believe he's the CEO of the Anfield Wrap as well. Uh, I'm in, I'm increasingly of the view that Chelsea can't make it work at the level of Liverpool's bid, or it is very very almost debilitatingly hard for them to do it. For whatever reason, funds, cash on hand, FFP. Graham Kelly has quoted that, which is how I saw it. I think this is why we placed our bid at exactly 111 million. Why would we do that? Why would we go 111? Yeah. Now the asking price was 100. Why would we go 11 million over? That's, that's a, a significant amount. Cause we're the preferred bidder here. Brighton would much rather do business with us. Multiple journalists, well placed, have said Brighton would much rather sell to Liverpool because there's a far better relationship there and they haven't taken the piss the way Chelsea have. So why would we do that? That seems like a number that they can't get to. It would also explain why Chelsea are trying to get us to walk away because they can't match our bid. They want to go back to Brighton and say, well, our 100 million is the best offer you have now. So take it or leave it. You take 100 million or or you, or you have an unhappy player who doesn't want to play. They want us to walk away. The other factor here, and I thought this was really weird when I saw it reported by Mel Reddy. We offered a sell-on clause. Why would we do that? And according to Andy Naylor, who's the best in the business for Brighton, it's not just a small sell-on clause. It's a substantial one. So why would we do that? Because that's something that Chelsea won't match. Chelsea aren't going to offer that. I, I'm quietly confident that this deal will get done. I wasn't earlier and my daily read was, I said at the time, the most miserable podcast I've ever done. But Chelsea are offering him a lot more money than we are and they're offering the agent a lot more money than we are. But those are things that we can reconcile. But I would bet, and I've, I've had this from two people now. One is a well-known person on the Liverpool side of things who gets very good info. And the other is someone that I would trust with Brighton info that I've known since I used to live in Brighton. If it comes down to Tony Bloom, which is what the case will be if we don't walk away. If it comes down to Tony Bloom, he is a man of his word. He fucking despises Chelsea. That's what it was said to me as. He despises Chelsea because of how they've carried themselves in the last year under Bowley. He will just stick to his word and we will get the player. And Caicedo, according to Dave O.C. Cop, now I know people want to laugh, but Dave had all the Henderson information first. He was first on everything there. He also had stuff on Caicedo yesterday before anyone else. He has said that if the choice is Liverpool or Brighton, Caicedo is happy to join Liverpool. So the only way we miss out here, I think, is if we walk away or somehow Chelsea come up and come in on top of us. And even at that, you'd wonder what the legal footing is. Brighton set a deadline. We had the highest bid. We have agreed everything with Brighton. Fee, add-ons, payment terms, 
sell on clothes, the whole shebang is agreed at Brighton. So from a legal point of view, can Brighton renege? I have no idea. I don't know if they can turn around to Liverpool and go, well, sorry, Chelsea have offered a million more. What do you make of what do you make of the wrinkle, Dave, which is uh, sort of muddying the waters? It's been thrown out there from a number of sources, and I don't know if they're in any way uh, reliable or where this information has come from. But this concept of the loyalty that he feels, Caicedo feels towards Chelsea, do you think that's pure spin? I mean, we've seen photos of him, him with. Chelsea jersey on as a, as a younger guy, and do you, is there any? You know reckon- Trev? I, I've seen that same picture with him in a United jersey and an Arsenal jersey, so I don't know <laughs> okay. if it's real. Okay, I, I don't know. I yeah. don't know if it's real. Yeah. What I do know, this is what I know. This is what I know is absolute fact because it's been reported by everybody. Moises Caicedo, when he was at Independent Independiente de la Valle in Ecuador, did an interview and was asked who were his favorite clubs. The two clubs he named were Manchester United and Real Madrid. He never mentioned Chelsea. So take into this this into account, right? He's from a very poor country. In many of these poor countries, kids get given clothes by charities. He might have been given that shirt. Yeah. If if it's if it's real. He might have been given that shirt. He grew up without a pot to piss in. Here's what I know for a fact. Moises Caicedo grew up broke. And Moises Caicedo has what I call the village to look after. Not saying he's from a village, but he has a village worth of people. Family, extended family, friends, family of friends, friends of friends, who all rely on him to help them. Like Mane, like Nabi like many other players that we've seen come from poorer parts of the world, when one of them make it, they bring the whole village with them. So for Moises, it's important to look after all of these people, which is why I don't think he's a dickhead. The second thing is, when he was ready to leave Independiente and come to Europe, he wanted United until he wanted Liverpool. And he wanted Liverpool until he signed for Brighton. And then last summer, he wanted Liverpool. And then in January, he wanted Arsenal. Yeah. And then this summer, he wanted Chelsea. Now, why? Because they were the only clubs making an offer. The only club that made an offer in January was Arsenal. And all of a sudden, the kid dreamed of playing for Arsenal. Hello. I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. This summer, the only club that were in from were Chelsea. So, of course, he wanted Chelsea because his, uh, his options were Chelsea or Brighton. It wasn't Chelsea or Liverpool or United or Real or Barca or whoever. It was Chelsea and big money or Brighton and what is big money to common folk like us, but in footballing terms is moderate money. He wanted Chelsea when the other option was staying at Brighton. Yeah. I have I- no belief at all that he has some unabashed loyalty to them. He wants to get his big move and get a big contract so he can look after the village of people that rely on him. 
That's what I was going to say. To extrapolate from that line of, of thought that you presented earlier on, the one thing all of those things have in common is that they were the best offer on the table at the time. Now he's got mm. two, now he's got two ridiculous offers on the table. Now, like the luxury of talking about loyalty could come into it or simply again, the best offer. So it really does come, it could easily just come down to that. And again, you know, you're not going to see me uh, making any judgments about, uh, about a player's character or anything like that. I reserve the right to be pissed off about it, of course course but i you can't you can't you, you can't find yourself in a, in a situation where you're judging anyone for making decision where they get pet paid more um because no, at the end of the day that's a it's a very finite career we've said that on several shows you yeah. know i mean lads lads have the right to make those decisions and absolutely should do we all think he should play for liverpool i see the likes of don hutchinson and other ex-reds saying like well i'd rather take less money and play for liverpool don't be daft don don't be daft man nobody does that Nobody it, it, does that. it depends on what when when we say less money, it, it depends on yeah, how yeah, yeah. Like, it's the, it's is the it a twenty net, grand a week Henderson. difference or is it a hundred grand a week difference? That's it's, basically what it comes down to, isn't it? It's the like, Jordan, it's the Jordan Henderson argument all over again. Yeah. Like, what, what what do you mean life changing money? Your life's already changed. Your kids are looked after. Your yeah, if, for that, him, right? this is this is like we are offering him life changing money. Yes, Chelsea are just offering him more money. They're not offering him life-changing money because we're already doing that. Look, he's a 21-year-old kid who's very clearly been very badly advised. And his head is probably in a bit of a spin at the moment. Because everything I've heard about him is that he's a really good lad. Like a really good kid. And he kind of snuck out of the building at Brighton. Which tells me he didn't want to do it because he didn't want to see anybody. He just snuck out, brought his bits and left. Which tells me his agent made him do that. And I think the agent and, and the bad actor at Chelsea, uh, Egg Bali, I think they're the ones driving this. I don't think it's coming from him. But by the looks of things, we are standing our ground. And I think if we stand our ground, we get the player. The other factor to consider here as well is, and uh, Atkinson mentioned it, is Chelsea's FFP situation. Now, I saw this yesterday, and I thought, how on earth are they still being allowed to sign anybody? Here we go. uh, Miguel Delaney. Yeah, just seen it, just seen it. Little Mig, uh, clearly being briefed by Chelsea as well. Chelsea seeking to offer players on top of fee to break Caicedo impasse. So it doesn't sound like Chelsea can actually match our offer. But as I said, I saw this yesterday. Now, this guy uh, is a Man City fan, so no reason for him to lie about this, no reason for him to spoof. But by all accounts, this guy is very, very well informed. Uh SLBSN at SLBSN is his, his name on Twitter. He is a he's an accountant who works in the football sphere. So he said, "How can Chelsea sign Lavia on top of Caicedo?" And people still tell me they'll be FFP compliant in twenty three twenty four. Absolutely impossible. Knowingly failing a bold strategy. So I asked somebody what that would what would that would in, in, entail. And I was told, basically, if Chelsea continue to just spend with reckless abandon as if they don't care about FFP, they could face points deduction, huge fans, uh, huge fines. They could face being thrown out of Europe for multiple years and transfer bans if they knowingly fail FFP. So some Chelsea idiot replied, FFP is three years, and given that we've sold almost 300 million worth and could add another 150 million worth of sales, that should cover it. So the guy responds, gross sales are irrelevant, and three years is not an advantage. You're looking at overall losses of 750 million over the three years to June of 2024. Because remember, the last two years of, of Abramovich, they also spent a ton. They bought Lukaku, they bought Havertz, they bought Werner, etc., etc. To, to balance those three-year massive losses, you need something like 420 million player trading profits over 
last season and this season. Not sales, profits. That 300 million of sales that you've made uh, roughly generated profit of about 170 million. So a huge 250 million profit to find between now and next summer. The Chelsea idiot replies, sell Chalaba, Gallagher, Lukaku, one of the left backs, and maybe Kepa or Sterling. That's 150 million guaranteed and two are clean profits. And he said, yeah, that's 150 gross for that entire group of players. But Sterling is on your books for more than 40 million. So there's no profit there. There'd be no profit on Lukaku. There'd be no profit on a Kepa. There'd be no profit on, on Kukurea. Likely no profit on, um, on Chilwell. He said, you need to find more than 250 million of profit. And Caicedo and Lavia add 20 million of amortization each year. So offset profits made. There is no chance. Chelsea can comply with FFP. That's basically the prevailing wisdom. And multiple people have backed him up on that. So I don't know. I don't think Chelsea can can trump us on the offer. I think they need us to walk away. I think that's and that's clear, very clearly what they're trying to do. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. (laughs) This is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, Mac boxes, and games consoles. Visit LibertyShield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. They can't outbid us, so they need us to walk away, and then they want to try and strong arm. They're trying to make a public circus, a load of noise, because everything's come from Chelsea. None of it's come from Liverpool. Everything has clearly come from the Chelsea side. This is Chelsea's agenda being driven of let's make loads of noise. The player only wants us. He doesn't want Liverpool. Let's force Liverpool away from the table. Now, I don't blame them in some ways because we've done it in the past. We kind of did it with Darwin, where we agreed terms of the player, convinced the player it was only us he wanted, and United backed away and we got him for a fee that was more agreeable to us than what Benfica originally wanted. But It's a very dirty approach by Chelsea. And it's the type of approach that will leave a bad taste in the mouth. And a few people have said that every club that Chelsea have basically dealt with, like every similarly sized club that Chelsea have dealt with in the time Todd Bowley has been in charge, has come away thinking, he's a prick and they're a gang of pricks. And that's very much what they're showing themselves to be here. They can't beat us clean, so they're trying to beat us to the player in the dirtiest way possible. And if it succeeds, then so be it. But at the moment, I think we've all had a bit of a wobble because all the kind of news came at once, like it did last night. It was all good news at once, and we were all very excited. And then some bad news came, and we didn't really think to step back and go, well, hang on, is this actually true? I think I think we all got a little bit wrapped up in it too much because look, it's it's us, it's Liverpool. We've had a really rough transfer window. We're desperate for a defensive midfielder. We didn't think we had this kind of money. We didn't think we'd get this player. So until it's across the line, I think we're all on edge. But I think maybe there's been an overreaction, including by myself, to Romano and a couple of others who are clearly clearly operating at Chelsea's request. You see, if it gets done, Dave, if it gets done, 
we can talk about what a wonderful coup it is. We can talk about um, this rebuild and how, honestly, like I said to Dave earlier on, if you told us that these three guys would come in, nobody, everybody would have said that's bananas. You have ordered yourself. You're delusional. Yeah. However, if it doesn't get done, as Guy has said on Twitter, that's, well, words to this effect, we've been dicking around all summer, man, and we have yeah. nothing to show for it. And we're now down to days. Like you're talking about just north of two weeks. There's, there's three you, weeks left in the window. What's today? Today's the 11th. So, yeah, a day less than three weeks left. Yeah. So, we now so yeah, we need, it's getting tight. But, we, but yeah. we went from not being in for, for Caicedo to agreeing a fee in 24 hours. Mm. So when we want to move, we can get stuff agreed. Now, I'm, I don't think there's any way you can blame Liverpool if this deal falls apart. I would say there is still a lot of blame to go to Liverpool for why the fuck have we waited till the 10th and 11th of August to try. The only thing that makes any sense to me that I've heard from anyone, I've got to give you credit. The only thing that makes any sense for me is that we were waiting for the ball to drop with Mbappe yeah. and Lenny. That's the only thing, because otherwise, what the fuck is happening? Why are we sitting on our hands? I cannot understand it. Why haven't we tapped up, um, uh, you know, the, the boy from Crystal Palace and gotten him mm-hmm. in the door? Why isn't Ducouré a red? I, I, why isn't Lavi already done? I, no, none of that makes any sense to me. Um, if we have these funds as a go-to when the right player arrives. Now the question will be, um, do those funds get redistributed uh, and do we get the business done? And now there's a whole new tension. Like you say, it's heartening to see that we can get a sniff of something being available and go and absolutely make a, an absolute uh, statement like that. And maybe on a lesser level with perhaps not as big a, a funds, we can do that again a couple of times between now and when the window closes. But it's just the uncertainty of it that leaves you uncertain, that leaves you sort of a bit rattled, uh, you know, to be fair with the amount of time that's left. Yeah, I'm, I'm convinced that that was the situation that we were, we were waiting on Chuameni. I think the plan was Chuameni and Lavia. Chuameni walks in day one starter, grown ass man, brilliant. And Lavia is just a gem that we really want, but he's not necessarily a priority, which is why we weren't willing to maybe push the boat as far as, as Southampton would want. Um, I think we were waiting on Chuameni. I think we got news from his agent, who I think has been keeping us informed. On Wednesday, I think we got news, look, this is not going to happen now, Mbappe's staying at, at PSG, so there's no there's no opportunity here. Real aren't going to need to sell. And I think we've just immediately pivoted and gone after, gone after Caicedo. I think that's what's happened. And I put it out on Twitter yesterday. I've had a couple of people that I would, would trust, including a journalist, DM me and say, I think you're spot on. So I think I've, I think I've hit the nail on the head with that one. Um, and it would make sense as well. It would make sense as to why we've waited because we wasted all the last season because Jurgen didn't get too many and was just depressed the whole summer. Um, but at the end of the window, the guy we did pivot to when he finally copped himself on was Caicedo. Unfortunately, we just left it too late at that point. We ended up with Artemelo and everybody knows what happened after that. So I, I do think that's what's happened here. Now, I, I, w- I would hope, I would genuinely hope that we have an alternative target in mind. Um, I don't think Chiumeni would have cost us 111 million. So I think that's why we potentially could have done him and Lavia. Maybe we could have, we could do Caicedo and Andre, the, the Brazilian who's been linked. Um, but if no Caicedo, I, my expectation would be it will be Decoure, um, who, who uh, at least one Palace journalist has, has said Liverpool have kind of contacted Palace about him. So my expectation would be it would be Decoure and we'll try again for Lavia. So look, the thing is, if if you told me Liverpool are going to get Lavia, Dominic and Alexis at the start of the window, I'd have been thrilled. If you told me Fabinho's going to leave and they're also going to get Decoure, I'd have been absolutely out of my mind with joy. If you told me that Henderson was going to leave, I would have been throwing street parties for the entire summer. So if we end up with Dominic, Alexis, Decoure, and Lavia, 
and Henderson gone. I mean, that, that's that's a perfect window. That's a 10 out of 10 window any time you want in terms of a midfield rebuild. But if it happens now, we will all be a little bit disappointed because of Caicedo, because he was clearly the one. Like, he's 21. He's already one of the three or four best midfielders in the league. Last season, you could only really make a case for Gameras, Rodri, and that's probably it in terms of holding midfielders that were better than him. That's probably it. And you, you could have made a good case he was, he should have been in the team of the year. He was in my team of the year. I had a midfield three of Odegaard, Gamerish and, and Caicedo as my team of the year midfield last year. That's how good he was. And he's 21. He dog walked Declan Rice twice last year, like to an embarrassing extent. And Declan Rice just went for 105 million. So when I heard 110, I didn't even blink at it. I just thought, oh, fair enough. Like, yeah. He's three years younger. He's significantly better. And, and he, he, he fits, he fits what we need. So if we don't get him. It is going to be hugely disappointing. It is. There's no way around it, but there are still good options out there is the, the small bit of solace to take from it. But while we have been doing this podcast, the, the mood does seem to be changing a little bit on Twitter in terms of people being a little bit more confident. Um, in the fact that we will get this deal done. It really does. It it does. It does. But I mean, it's, it's been such a a head spinner that, you know, we just wanted to get on and sort of lay out what exactly the timeline of this has been and what we do know and what we can speculate about with any reasonable um, sort of sense behind it. I'm glad we got a chance to do that. It is still up in the air, folks. The uh, alternatives, should we need alternatives, are still up in the air and, and, and only theories and ideas at this point. And therefore, I do understand uh, the high levels of angst around it. And just to clarify, Dave, I just want to make a point here and, and get you as your final thought to either agree or disagree with this. The reason this is just maybe we might catch one or two of these um, oddball commentators who seem to feel the need to chip in all the time about, you know, trusting, uh, trusting the club and trusting the owners and uh, don't be a bedwetter, etc. These these clowns, there's so many of them out there and, 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 and uh, their triumphalism was quite noted. They weren't enjoying having the player earlier on. They were enjoying the fact that they were right, that FSG were great lads. Um I my anxiety around if I have anxiety if that's the correct word my annoyance my irritation around this whole thing is simply that I see a group of players who you you were outlining it there I see a group of incredible attackers some wonderful defenders and now a, a midfield that's very close to being a wonderful unit and I see that that might lead us to winning some trophies which is all I give a shit about for fuck's sake that's it only that nothing else matters to me day out great delighted for you uh going to see hang out with your mates lovely nice nice for you um you just get joy from watching the lads playing in the purple jersey super stuff and i love all of you but the only thing that makes me happy is trophies therefore i'm not gonna in any way step back from my opinion that that's all that matters and therefore if we don't get the best players if we leave ourselves what is patently obviously short, then I feel I'm more than justified in having the hump. Where do you stand on this? No, I fully agree with you. This is not, we're not some small club that's just here to take part. This is Liverpool Football Club. The only thing that matters about this club is winning. And if we're not winning, we're failing. And when I see people say, oh, well, you know, it's about the day out and it's about this and it's about that. It's about going to the match with your mates. Fuck off. No, it's not. Do you know the history of this club? Do you have any idea who Bill Shankly is and what he said and what he did and how he viewed the game? The man who said, if you're a second, you're nothing. Bob Paisley, the guy who called finishing second the bad times. <laughs> Kenny Dogleash would be apoplectic if we finished second when he was manager. Like, what's happened is the standards at this club have dropped so much. And a big part of it is 
social media. A lot of people who grew up with Liverpool winning nothing and therefore just accepted that as the standard. And if we win a trophy every couple of years, they're absolutely delighted with themselves. But that's that's not the Liverpool I grew up into. Certainly not the Liverpool you grew up into. So I'm not going to accept, of, oh, look, they're a great bunch of lads if we finish second or third or whatever the fuck. If you don't win, you failed. It's as simple as that. And unfortunately for Jürgen, as things currently stand, he has underachieved at Liverpool. Yes, he's won the lot, even though he hasn't because he hasn't won the Europa League. So won the lot is just a lie that people tell. But one league title and one Champions League, I'm sorry, for eight years, especially the last five with the team you've had, that that doesn't quite do enough for me. He's got to win another league title, maybe even two more league titles before he leaves for me. Before we, Because I see people putting him in the conversation of, Oh, he's the best manager we've ever had. Well, first of all, Bob Paisley is the best manager we've ever had. Go and look at what the guy won. Shankly would be number two. I would put Kenny first time around number three. And then I would put Klopp. Because people That's, can say, oh, well, Kenny didn't win a European Cup. Liverpool weren't allowed to play in the European Cup. So yeah, it's trophy it's hall. Kenny's fault. It's trophy hall. And it's, yeah. it's, it's the status of the team on their watch. And Kenny had the best team in the country, if not the continent. And everybody knew it. And so did Bob and so did uh, Shanks. It's that yeah. simple. And, and Klopp had for a year. A year. Uh, Dave Powell, who's the, the, the money man, the football money man at the Echo, uh, for so long, the 100 million figure for Caicedo was mooted with LFC not willing to meet Southampton's valuation for Lavia at 50 million. Why so happy to pay on, to overpay on the 100 million when Chelsea had only bid 80? Maybe the 111 million sum is something they know Chelsea can't reach given their very real PNS issues. Um, mm. profit and sustainability, that is. Which is again, which is in line with what what uh, Neil Atkinson had said. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what to make of it. Pletty Gold, who's another fucking spoofer um, and another social media influencer rather than a real journalist, he's parroted the Romano nonsense, but he he very carefully said uh, a transfer to Liverpool is off at this stage giving himself the way to back out of it when he when it turns out. <laughs> you weren't letting him off the hook there. I see no. your response. <laughs> no, he knows fuck all. And I'm just, you know what? I, I've actually just had enough of being nice. I consider myself to have been nice to journalists this summer, uh, rather than the unhinged lunatic that I normally am. Uh, largely because I just don't want to get banned off Twitter again. But, like, at some point, probably in September... I'm just going to start calling them all a bunch of cunts because that's what most of them are. <laughs> not, not, not real journalists now. Not, not your, you know, your Joyce's and your Reddies and uh, Davy Lynch and Neil Jones. Like, not, not real journalists. Anyone that's a real journalist and works for a real outlet, that's fine. If you work for Caught Offside or, you know, your job is basically to tweet professionally, I'm just going to call you out for what you are, which is a spoofing cunt who's an influencer, not a journalist. Who's very clearly the, the journalists are meant to be impartial. Journalists are meant to report news. When we have a compromised media, that's a very dangerous thing. No matter what sphere it is, whether it's politics, whether it's something like climate change, whether it's health, education, legal stuff, whatever it is, if the media is compromised, that's a very, very dangerous thing. And unfortunately, with people like Romano, who is a mercenary, a shill who's for sale, and will say whatever you want him to say, as long as you give him enough money, that's a compromised media, especially when that guy has so much sway and so much influence with his, whatever, 17 million Twitter followers that he's managed to amass through years of bullshitting. That's a dangerous thing. That's what, like, you look at real journalists. They don't have 15 updates on a story in a day. They might have two or three. Reddy had like five or six yesterday detailing a story that was progressing. Romano, who knew nothing about the deal, 
had about the same number, all of which were just reworked versions of the same tweet, none of which said anything with any real info. He did a podcast appearance. He went on Instagram Live. He did whatever else, his YouTube channel, all of which is a grift. All of it's a grift, and all of them are the same. Pletty Goal, your man Christian Folk, um, what's that? Yanaga Fjortoft, another spoofer. There's loads of them in the, in the, in the English sphere as well. Loads of them. Most of them have their own YouTube channels. Most of them are actually just YouTubers and not journalists, but they've all got, they've all got reason to lie. Reason we, to make we, things up. We'd be daft to expect sports journalism to be any different from every other type of journalism. In that, of course, there are bought and paid for elements in it. And, of course, uh, of course. And, but like, and, and quite often, they're the most influential ones. That's the point. Yeah, that that's the point. Because like, like, you, you look at, like, say, the Liverpool journalists, and not to name any of them, but we know that there's one or two that very, very specifically get get chosen by the club to drop certain stories, like whether they're unfavorable or whatever. They get chosen to tell the, what the club want pe- people to know. They they are an extension of the PR arm of the club, of the media arm of the club. That's, and that's fine. Because in return, they'll get an exclusive. They might get an interview. They might get to break the next transfer or whatever the case may be. But they don't get paid. There's no money been slipped in their pocket. Unlike with these influencers where they're getting Venmoed their money. And then they're tweeting out their shit. So it's notable that after the big spoofer did it, two or three smaller spoofers <laughs> also came out with very similarly worded tweets. All because because the uh, the noise around the Romano tweet had dropped off a little bit. So now what do you do? Someone else tweets it out. Noise goes back up. More pressure. Liverpool aren't budging by the sounds of things. Liverpool are very resolute in the fact that this is their deal. They're going to get it across the line. If for nothing else, they're not going to want Jürgen to look foolish because Jürgen said the deal was done. So I think unless we walk away, I think we're going to get the player, but I can't be certain. And we're not probably going to, we might not find out today. We probably don't get a resolution today, but hopefully, hopefully by the time we take on Chelsea on Sunday, by which time, You'll be lying on a beach, Mr. Downey, with a cocktail or a beer in your hand, uh, very much enjoying life while I sit here in miserable rain, uh, very much enjoying life. Um, <laughs> rain clouds very much part of the brand. Um, hopefully by the end of the weekend, we have a resolution. It would be nice. It would be nice. And, and, and apologies in advance to this audience. I've already given them to the uh, transfer podcast audience. Mm. Uh, I will be AWOL for the first two games of the season. I didn't see it coming. It was a nice surprise. And, um, a I'm, very nice surprise. A couple yeah. of good surprises you got for your birthday. That I, I did. I did, brother. I'm not going to, I'm not going to look that gift horse in the mouth. No, definitely <laughs> not. And look, the reason we did this, because <clears throat> we were humming and hawing about doing this, because originally we were going to record a buzz podcast in this slot. Yeah. Um, and then obviously this broke yesterday and we were kind of in agreement of, well, this, this obviously takes precedence. And then by the time we got round to chatting this morning, the shit had hit the fan and we were like, well, <laughs> yeah. there's any point in doing it. And we thought, well, you know what? We, we've said we'll do it. We might as well just ramble for however long. And at least it gives people something to listen to. It, it, it's a bit, we hope a bit of an update. Maybe some, some light has been shed. The fact that Delaney is saying Chelsea are seeking to offer players, um, that's a good sign for us. It suggests they don't have the money. Um, there are rumors that they're going to pull out of the Tyler Adams deal, but I don't think that makes any difference at all because the Tyler Adams deal, they'd agreed to pay Leeds more than the buyout, but with a very small amount of money up front, a kind of backloaded deal. So I don't think it's going to free up nearly enough for them to make anything happen. Someone's just said, Brighton should do one of two things. They should either demand that they get Levi Colwell in the Caicedo deal, because obviously Chelsea made a big deal about keeping him, Mm. or they should just string Chelsea along, agree terms with Southampton behind Chelsea's back for Lavia, sell Caicedo to Liverpool and sign Lavia themselves and tell (laughs) Chelsea to fuck off. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm all for that particular resolution. Yes. And it's a good it's a good note for us to end this one on. Um lighthearted, but again, very much in the mode of what we're thinking and all thinking at the moment. Um we should wrap it up. Dave, it's been good to talk it through because there are so many different angles. So I'm gonna sign off and say it, that's good luck for me for a week and I'll be back with you again very soon. Last word to yourself, brother. Anything you want to just say to wrap it up? No, no, just apologies to anybody that listened to the Daily Red today. I, literally everything had just started to... I, I thought when I woke up this morning, the Daily Red is going to be me bouncing around the place for an hour, screaming and shouting about how brilliant everything is, and the world is joyous. And instead, it was the most miserable podcast <laughs> I've ever done, which is a lot for me. You know, it's a lot for me to it's be honest. Yeah. You know, but um, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we get we get positive news. It's a, it's a good sign to me that Three hours after Romano tweets his his you know paid for content, um, Liverpool still haven't wavered. They still seem resolute. So we'll just have to hope that Liverpool hold the line and that Tony Bloom is what I believe he is, which is a man of his word, and tells Chelsea to go and do one. Because why wouldn't he? They fucked him around so much, he can fuck them around now. Can't think of a better note to end on. I've been Trev. That was Dave. This is something. We'll put it out in Pro Plus probably just for your delectation so that you have something to be listening to to take your uh, edge off. And we will speak to you again very, very soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement. And we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, We'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.